After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Hi, it's Raghu Marcus and David Silver, and we're back with Mind Rolling. Good afternoon, David. Hi. Here we hi, are. Hi, hi. Here we are. And um, did, uh, this week you're not as angry as last week? Last week you were pretty angry. Well, I was. it was fake, because I listened to it. I made the mistake of listening to it, and I think... And I didn't. I don't like myself angry at all. It's not attractive. So uh, we're going to just say this. Um, please use the Amazon portal or make a bookmark of it on mindrollingpodcast.com to buy things from Amazon. And we get a small, very small percentage, but a useful one. And some very wonderful person uh, did a monthly um, contribution, I noticed last week, which is very sweet of him. And uh, that works because that means there's some consistent shekels coming in. Uh, as we've said before, we've been told to do this stuff at the beginning of the podcast because that's when people are most vulnerable because they're obviously listening. So use the, the Amazon. Vulnerable may, may not be the. Well, I mean, we can get to there. You know, they haven't fallen asleep yet or whatever. Uh huh. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> you're not asleep, you're rather vulnerable to hearing stuff. Yeah, but that but I'm uh, big round. That's it. I think I like the angry guy better. Better though. angry? Yeah, because this was rather, uh, as you would say in England, desultory. It's deadly, I'd say. So uh, if well, that I'm didn't put angry. people to sleep, I don't know what did. Well, uh, it's uh, the people don't have a lot of money these days, so they're kind of thinking, do I do, do I give to these two characters but, or not? Well, uh, but the, okay. not really giving it to us. You're giving it to the rest of you listening who like some of the information, or maybe the way the information is presented, whatever you like about it, you're being kind to your fellow listeners. And if you have uh, shekels, then give us some via but, the Amazon portal. on Mineral But you're missing the whole point. The point is you don't have to give us anything. You can completely out of your own self-interest right. of getting stuff that is important to you and uh, and boy, do I get stuff, you know, week to week. I'm on, I must be, there must be money coming in just from me because I'm getting a lot of stuff at Amazon. So it's not those people who can afford it and do send in those wonderful donations. And certainly this uh, lovely gentleman who, who is uh, helping us out month to month is is fantastic. And, and we love that and buy a T-shirt and all that. Uh, or go to Audible and, and you know get a free uh, uh, month uh, pass there. And uh, but the truth is, with Amazon, 
you just have to, it's just whatever your desire is, you go up on Amazon and you buy it. You don't even have to, only thing you got to think about is bookmarking it so that you absolutely don't have to remember and you just go, you see the bookmark, Amazon, which will have our link, Mind Rolling Podcast link in it. You can even see it towards the end of the uh, URL. It's a long URL. And you just hit that, and that bookmark is in your bookmark top there. You know, it's not, you don't have to go into your bookmark and find your list and then go, where the hell did I put that? You put it actually in your menu top um, as, as one of your key book, uh, bookmarks, and you just go there, and you never have to think about it. I'm laughing because it's so deadly doing this, but you've got to do it to help us. The only thing I'm saying is... I thought that was a really good explanation of... of well, that give us your focus. Focus on the fact that when you're buying, you know, uh, Red Mill Scottish oatmeal, don't go to Whole Foods. Go to the your bookmarked Amazon portal. Remember, just focus. Oh, I've got to go there and go there and get the oatmeal. And the point is that this isn't discretionary money that you have to give to a podcast. This is just money that you naturally spend day to day. That's the point. I thought it was a good point, really. Don't put me No, down. it's a very good point. It's a very good point, and we should make more of it. But that's it. End of ad for time. We're going to do another one later for those that are still Oh, with don't us. say that. Then people are like, <laughs> okay, forget that. Um, <laughs> we usually do. This is the. We've been doing this segment in the last little bit. News from the end of the world, which I find, you know, myself funny. and But, you know, some people are thinking, you know, it's a, it's a lousy bore. First of all, we get enough bad news every day. Well, this is insane news. Um, and then, you know, it, by the way, you know, the, the last one, which was about the 31-year-old guy that only makes love to grandmothers, you know, between, uh, what, 70 and 92 or something— um, and other people, like, this is a service. This is not news from the end of the world. So, you know, uh, I thought then that uh, this would be a segue to, let's talk, since that might be a good thing, it, it really could be a good thing. I want to talk about another good thing, okay? You ready, Dave? Yeah, yeah. So this is taking place in China, okay? In a place called Yushu, China. All right, and apparently this place um, uh, absolutely—I uh, think it got pretty devastated by a natural event. Um, uh, you know, some you know, like a, a, a typhoonish kind of a thing. So you know, these people are really uh, not in the greatest of shape. They are in this part of uh, China, Yushu. It's a largely Tibetan city where more than 3,000 people died in an earthquake. Oh, it was an earthquake, not a typhoon, four years ago. 3,000 people, okay? It's not a big place. The faithful having been flocking to the Batang River to... Re so these people, right, uh, where the, these people died, these people are going down to their river to rescue a minuscule aquatic crustacean that would hardly seem deserving of any attention. Okay, so they've had some really dark times, and what mm -hmm. the the Buddhist monks say the growing interest, and this is called life liberation or mercy release, that is that it's uh, sometimes called, is part of a surge in religious devotion that followed the quake, which flattened much of Yushun. 
okay? Donations to local monasteries of sort and ordinary acts of kindness uh, have soared in this city of 120,000 people, roughly 1,300 miles northwest of Hong Kong. To save those lives is not only for me and my family, but for all the people who died in the earthquake, said one of the Tibetans. Working with her infant son strapped to her back, she said the loss and trauma experienced by so many people in Yushu had fortified their commitment to Buddhist teachings that emphasize respect for all living creatures. I mean, this is news from the beginning of the world, right? These people are actually, after having this devastation, devoting themselves in such a way as to be more connected with, you know, who they truly are, obviously using Buddhist Dharma. Pretty okay? Yeah. Pretty amazing. Um, Several others (laughs) said these specks of life could very well be the reincarnated souls of relatives or friends who perished in the earthquake. Okay? Ooh. Wow. The prospect of being reborn as a fly or a dog could not be dismissed. We have the same feelings as the fish, said one man, a vegetarian who spends eight hours, eight hours a day digging in the mud to save these uh, crustaceans. It is our duty to liberate them from pain and suffering. So uh, to me, this whole thing just points out to, you know, the reality of when you have the intention to do such a thing, and, and of course, in this case, you're actually not just intention, you're carrying it out, the results that, that what comes back, you, you know, to you from these actions uh, related to um, a complete, firm connectivity you get stronger in your connection to the uh, what Buddhism, in, in this case, what Buddhism really represents, which is obviously understanding your own true nature, but kindness, compassion, loving kindness, you know, is the essence, uh, you know, and it's what uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama talks about mostly all the time. So um, what else does this thing say? There was a couple other things in it. Um, Local monks acknowledge that the practice has a negligible impact on the number of animals destined for slaughter. Okay, because people are doing this in all different aspects, you know, supporting, you know, keeping animals, taking in animals who are going to be slaughtered and, you know, having them as farm animals and so on. Um, But they say it serves to remind people about the sanctity of life and can also produce concrete benefits for adherents. A hundred and one-year-old Tibetan religious figure, Chatral Rinpoche, who is said to have saved more than a million animals in his lifetime, said mercy release could lead to better harvests and healthier, long lives, longer lives for practitioners. No greater uh, crime is there than taking life away, and no conditioned virtue brings greater merit. Than the act of saving. This is, 
you know, why is there so little of this in this world that we're living in and so much of the opposite, huh? That's that's a question that I'm not qualified to answer, but it is the right question for sure. I mean, he, he saved a million animal lives, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. He, from slaughter. Yeah. As well as uh, other ways. Yeah, well, I mean, there are an increasing number of people in um, the world who are involved in trying to uh, lessen that. Uh, there are, as bad as things are on the planet in terms of, you know, hideous hostilities and violence, so on. Uh, there are, I, I do believe there's an increasing number of people who are involved in that particular work, not to the intense extent that uh, this great holy man is maybe, but, you know, uh, people are concerned about the elephants and the tigers, are concerned about the huge number of, of livestock that are murdered in the most awful way. You know, once I, instead of going, driving the coast road from L.A. to San Francisco, I took that other road that goes inside. I've forgotten the number. And my friend Marty drove me, and as we got more north, he took a little detour, and, and he, he told me what it was, and you could tell before you saw it because the smell was so overwhelming. And it's a place where the millions of cattle are slaughtered. And you get, sort of go over a ridge, and then you see these millions of animals in very tight quarters, waiting, you know, all in, in being fed, whatever they're being fed, and, and led to the slaughter. Never forgot that image. Um, red meat, just, you know, forget about it. Because that is so wrong, and, and we know it is. And even people we meet know it is. But a lot of people we meet just go, but I don't care. I love a good steak, you know. Um, that's the difference, isn't it? I mean, we're just so self-indulgent that we want to enjoy at the mercy of these these um, unfortunate and very unhappy animals. I mean, you can see the terror on their faces. Uh, we drove away very quickly because I couldn't deal with it. It was just hideous. But it was good, in a way, to see this suffering from these these massive numbers. I've forgotten where it is, Raghu. It's somewhere in the north. It's not mm -hmm. in Southern California. It's more towards, you know, San Francisco. And it's a gigantic area of land that's probably owned by the McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger Kings of this world. And uh, it's a site that you can't believe. The entire sort of landscape, instead of being green, is dark brown, the color of, of the cows and the, and, the, and the, you know, the cattle. Uh, well, yeah. you know the whole thing, you know, down the Mississippi, it's all dead at the mouth when it goes into the ocean because of all the effluence that's coming from the pig and, and uh, cattle. Uh, mostly the pig, I think, uh, in that whole thing is completely uh, creating, it's just all dead uh, because mm. of this. I was, I mean, and although, you know, uh, I mean, like you, these incidents happen, uh, well, related to what we're talking about in terms of the sanctity of life. Um, you know, it, poultry, I was in India a year ago and I just, I was doing nothing, going in a car somewhere. You know, I just turned my, I just was glancing off to the left, you know, so I turned. And I saw chickens in a cage. I, I won't even describe what it was, what was going on and the suffering that was going on that was so, and everybody just walking by like nothing was happening. You know, I couldn't, I, I mean, it was just uh, this, this kind of uh, 
ability that we have to ignore this stuff or turn away because the smell is so bad or whatever it is, uh, is also part of the whole thing. Um, but I think it's the tip of the iceberg when, uh, I mean, it's not any different and it's really not one thing is, uh, you know, it's all bad, but the, the sanctity of life and how, you know, in different parts of the world that is so meaningless and it's, you know, just, uh, the terror that is, is created, uh, on both sides of the, all of these, uh, conflicts and, uh, you know, terrorist activities in other places. And uh, it's just absolutely, uh, you know, completely and utterly, you know, based in, in the grossest kind of ignorance. And, you know, uh, so me saying, well, Jesus, why is there so little of what we just read about from Yushu uh, China and people, you know, doing these acts of, of service and saving um, life uh, against people who are doing the opposite, who seem to be, you know, there's surely a lot more of that going on. Uh, maybe there is or isn't, you know. In all of these places, there there is acts of kindness uh, amidst all of this. They're probably fewer and far between because the terror and the fear is so great. So, uh, you know, it's a foolish question to ask, is really what I'm saying. Um, no, but it isn't because it's a question you sort of have to ask because otherwise, I mean... It, we're experiencing right now all these fresh nightmare scenarios that are happening on the planet. I don't, you could be listening to this podcast, not at this time, but at this particular time, uh, this, uh, Israeli, uh, Hamas war is, is just beyond words. And then the stuff in the Ukraine and then the multiple stuff that's happening on the borders of other ex Soviet countries. I now found, uh, between, uh, what is now Russia and them, uh, various uh, skirmishes and, and uprisings all over the place. And then, of course, the really, really scary stuff in, in ISIS in Syria and Iraq. And then all the incredible wars that are going on all over the continent of Africa. Um, you know, how do you, you know, how does one deal with this? And uh, that brings me to... Um, this isn't an article like Rago always brings an article. I, I've been reading this or read this book, which I recommend to people. It's called The Untethered Soul, The Journey Beyond Yourself. And it's by uh, Michael A. Singer. And um, Deepak Chopra is quoted on the front. His quote is, read this book carefully and you'll get more than a glimpse of eternity. Um. It's a very good book. It's a very simple book in some ways. But what I wanted to get into with you, Raghu, because it relates to other things we're talking about, is chapter 15 in this book, which is called The Path of Unconditional Happiness. And um, uh, Singer, this is towards the end of the book, so it's kind of like he's saying, if you follow this path, you will indeed uh, be lightened of your load, and you'll have a clear vision of reality and you will exude love rather than um, misery. So I thought it was interesting to get into it because it's not, it's not, I think Singer's kind of a Buddhist, but I don't know that because he's not talking about Buddhist or any kind of lore. He's talking about what he believes to be true. Um, and, and what he's saying basically is if you, if you decide 
that you're going to be happy from now on for the rest of your life, you will not only be happy, you'll become enlightened. Unconditional happiness is the highest technique there is. And then I'm just excerpting things here. Um, he says, quotes, Do you want to be happy from this point forward for the rest of your life, regardless of what happens? Now, if you say yes, it might happen that your wife leaves you, or your husband dies, or the stock market crashes, or your car breaks down on an open highway at night. Those things might happen between now and the end of your life. But if you want to walk the highest spiritual path, then when you answer yes to that simple question, you know, do you want to be happy, you must really mean it. In other words, you can't just mean it when it's convenient, when things are going well, when you're making a lot of money or you're in a lovely romantic relationship or, or your child just graduated or you just got a great dog. No, he says that's not it at all. Uh, he says once you decide you want to be unconditionally happy, something inevitably will happen that challenges you. <laughs> that that's the sort of joke of it all that you say I'm going to be happy I'm just going to be joyous I'm not going to exude misery and criticism and, and negativity and judgmental I'm just going to be happy with whatever is he said it's at that point um, that things really challenge you and there's many more quotes but let's just do one more and then we, we can talk about it events don't determine whether or not you're going to be happy they're just events you determine whether or not you're going to be happy. You can be happy just to be alive. You can be happy having all these things happen to you and then be happy to die. If you can live this way, your heart will be so open and your spirit will be so free that you will soar up to the heavens. And um, I guess what he's saying is he's not saying be happy and deluded or not know other people's suffering or even your own. He's saying that no matter what happens, even if you're imprisoned in a cell, then have fun being Gandhi. That's how, a quote from the book. How? Just ha have fun being Gandhi. Have fun being imprisoned. Now, how do I you do this? I don't get anything. I, I'm not hearing anything. It's everything, of course, yes. Be happy. Mayor Baba said, be happy. I loved it then. And no, I love it now. But how do you get there? What are we talking about well, here? He says, in the end, enjoying life's experience is the only rational thing to do. You're sitting on a planet spinning around in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Go ahead, take a look at reality. You're floating in empty space in a universe that goes on forever. If you have to be here, at least be happy and enjoy the experience. You're going to die anyway. Things are going to happen anyway. Why shouldn't you be happy? You gain nothing by being bothered by life's events. If they starve you and put you in solitary confinement, just have fun being like Gandhi. Begin by understanding your inner energies. If you look inside, you will see that when you're happy, your heart feels open and the energy rushes up inside of you. When you aren't happy, your heart feels closed and no energy comes up inside. So to stay happy, just don't close your heart. No matter what happens, even if your wife leaves you or your husband dies, you don't close your heart. That's what he's saying. Okay, well, how do I get happy? Come on. He says, let go. Let go, Let of, go what? of the misery that you're holding on to inside because you think that it's just out of your control and, you know... How do I'm, I let go? Meditate. Does he say that or are you yes, saying that? Yes, he does. He talks about meditation in the book? He says meditate. He said, but meditate is not the answer because you only meditate a small part of your life. What do you do the rest of your life? Okay, the rest what do we life, do? You try to be happy rather than 
kind of just say, well, life is doing this to me and I'm having an unhappy life and I'm suffering and I'm just fucked and I'm not happy. He says you can be happy like Gandhi was happy most of the time by his service and by his meditative, you know. Okay, incl- but that's what he was doing. Gandhi, his, by the way, Gandhi is the featured teacher on Ramdas.org as we speak. So you can find out all we we're like we did a whole series of featured teachers without Mahatma Gandhi. Can you can you believe that? That's terrible. Um, well, but, it's but you know, we don't think of him as a teacher. We think of him as a political example. Well, this is a very leader. big big category because we couldn't. You know, I mean, we're talking about everybody from you know uh, Lama Suryadas, who's a Westerner who became a, a, a Lama, to uh, the his guru, one of his two gurus. Uh, the 16th Karmapa, who is a, a Siddha. Okay, so it's a big wide range in there. And certainly Gandhi uh, should be there because he had so much to teach. But he got happy because he com- became one with the service that he was doing. He, well, that's what Singer's saying. I mean, he's just saying you have this choice. It's not that difficult. You just simply have to get this perspective in your heart inside. He was My very- question to him is this. My question to him is this. Um, I just watched the news yesterday, and there was a guy on from Gaza who'd lost 14 members of his family in four seconds because of a 2,000-pound bomb ejected from an Israeli plane. How does he be happy? Okay, well, that goes back to, you know, Hitler and the six million Jews. And, right. You know, so that's right. that same. There's right. no, there is no rational way at that point. You're, you're dealing with, this is a self-help book, okay? It's not addressing reality, okay? No, reality is addressed. Because, no, no, wait, 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 wait. You haven't read it, so you don't know. I've read it, and it's an extremely good book and extremely wise. And I'm right, I, this part of it, maybe it just can't be taken out of context. But don't just sort of denigrate it as a self-help book, because it isn't. It's like a Buddhist tome, actually, except it's it's very, very clear and simple, which is good for simple-minded idiots like me. Because yeah, I can't be reading this stuff. That, that I mean, I do all the time read that stuff. It's, uh, usually my state of mind is not enough. I need someone to talk to me in English because mm-hmm. I am English and I speak that language, and the other languages are foreign to me. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. And translations are usually Well, shit. I've, I've been called, actually, uh, Tammy Simon uh, of Sounds True, and in a conversation with her and talking about a very uh, awakened being who happened to be an American. And I'm, and I'm like, no, not, not like Ramana Maharshi, whatever I said. And she's like, what are you, some kind of racist? Yeah. <laughs> White people can't uh, express the truth. Uh, so of course I guess they can. I admit they can that. and do. I mean, what did Alan Watts do? What did Alan Ginsberg do? What did John Lennon do? These are all white people, and none of them did anything other than... Okay, you can't put them. John Lennon with Alan Watts, okay? I don't care what you say. Yes, you can. Really? Okay. I absolutely disagree fundamentally with that statement. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Well, you you knew him, so I didn't know. Well, I also knew Alan Watts, and I mean, you know, Alan Watts is just a human being, you know, and he was just like you or me. He just did a lot of inquiry, and that was his way of expressing. But what he actually came up with in the end was love everybody. All you need is love and give peace a chance. John did it in eight words or nine words or something. True. Very, uh, very yeah. true. I mean, you can be as complex as you want and, and write 50 fucking books and nobody understands or ever reads them. But if someone actually listens to All You Need Is Love, if they listen to that song, seriously, hmm. 
You're what right. You're absolutely just, right. Don't I be, am right. Don't yeah. be angry at me. I, I, I'm very sensitive. Well, it's just the way you dismissed him. Like, you know, I know, but I'm, what can I do? You have to accept all of me. <laughs> well, I, I do. Yeah, yeah. I guess. All right. Is there anything uh, more, though? I mean, No, I, I'm not reading any more for this book. <laughs> the, you just wish not to about it. No, no. The big picture of I'm it not, is— I, I'm not here to publicize this dude. I, you know, you I can do, buy his book. Buy the what book it, on Amazon. Yeah, if, you're, if you're out there like most people are and struggling, don't know what the fuck is going on anytime, anywhere. About it. <laughs> Read The Untethered Soul, The Journey Beyond Self by Michael Singer. It's uh, on Amazon and go to the Amazon portal and do it through that. And we gain from that and you gain from the book, which is actually a really good book. All right. Well, I accept it. And, and the fact that I've never even seen the cover of it. It you know indicates in ignorance on my part to make comments about it and call it a a, a self help. Not that that's well, a bad thing, a self help book. I okay, should read the whole book. I guess is what I'm saying because yeah. that's at the end of the book, and by that time you've got the picture. You know why, which is the danger of excerpting anything because you don't know. You know, look, I'm not saying John Lennon is Ramana Maharshi. Good. Okay, I'm happy now. Who is? Who's Ramana Maharshi except Ramana Maharshi? Who is Ramana Maharshi? Well, Ramana Maharshi. First of all, he wasn't Ramana Maharshi. He wasn't. (laughs) uh, Well, of course, in the ultimate. um, You know, there's a few of those uh, Ramana Maharshis that were around last century, okay? And they're called people who were living on this planet and not living in duality. There was no inside them, no I. No I. I mean, how do we know that? How do we know? Okay, well, I can say I met one, so I understand that. I met one of those, Ramana Maharshi. So you met one in this century? Yeah. Uh, Well, last century. Last century, yeah. But couldn't there be ones that we don't know about? Absolutely. Who said? Of course. There's tons of them we don't know about. They don't all come up. Anyhow, we're getting really esoteric. Can I read you something now? I don't think we're getting esoteric at all. No? Well, identifying, you know, Ramana Maharshi as... Certainly, uh, you know, as the highest uh, potential of humankind, which would be Christ, Ramana Maharshi, Buddha. You know, they're all, it's all that same thing. And you're saying, how do you know that? And I couldn't tell you how I know that. And I had some kind of direct experience that uh, I am absolutely positive. It's the only thing I'm positive of in this whole world is the reality of this being didn't have an eye. Okay, that I met. So how would you advise all the people out there, the 7.2 billion people who do not know him? Because I know, uh, you know... No, uh, advise. I'm not saying... How would I... Oh, advise. Advise Advise what? Who could advise? If they they don't have someone in their life like that who gives them that kind of... That's there. That's there and available. Uh, You know, through... uh, There's Buddhists, right, who are... Take refuge in the Buddha. That's the same thing. Okay. They don't have to meet the Buddha in a physical body. You know, that's absolutely unnecessary. People have been doing this for thousands of years without meeting okay. the thing. That's the advice. Read yeah. the Buddha. Well, the Buddha or Ram, or, Krishna, uh, you know, Christ. I mean, you know, there's plenty of ways to go with this. Um, can, so love, pleasure, not pe- uh, love. <laughs> this is terrible. It's love, people, not pleasure. I got that backwards. No, and we all get reason, that back. There's a reason why you got it yeah, back. Yeah, I know, and we, we don't want to get into it. Okay. <laughs> Who doesn't love pleasure? I, you know. Yeah, well, wait do you hear about this shit. Uh, okay, I know what you're going to say. You do? No. Well, I, can, I can imagine. Okay, this is a great story. I love reading stories. Uh, 
Abd al-Rahman III, okay, was an emir and caliph of Cordoba in 10th century Spain. So, you know, this goes way back. He was an absolute ruler who lived in complete luxury. Here's how he assessed his life. So, Abd al-Rahman III said... I have now reigned above 50 years in victory or peace, beloved by my subjects, dreaded by my em enemies, and respected by my allies. Riches and honors, power and pleasure have waited on my call, nor does any earthling, earthly blessing appear to have been wanting to my felicity. Fame, Riches and pleasure beyond imagination. Sounds great? He went on to write, I have diligently numbered the days of pure and genuine happiness, happiness which have fallen to my lot. Okay? They amount to 14 over 50 years. <laughs> 14. And Abd al-Rahman's problem wasn't happiness, as he believed. It was unhappiness. If that sounds like a distinction without a difference, you probably have the same problem as the great emir. But with a little knowledge, you can avoid the misery that befell him. So he starts talking about happiness and unhappiness. Right? This is really interesting stuff. So, like, what is unhappiness? Your intuition that might be simply the opposite of happiness. Darkness, opposite of light. That's not correct. Happiness and unhappiness are related, but they are not actually opposites. I find that completely fascinating. Would you think that? But in images of the brain, okay, when you go in and, I guess, do the, the, a scan, uh, show that parts of the left cerebral, cerebral cortex are more active than the right when we are experiencing happiness, while the right side becomes more active when we are unhappy. It's two different things. Mm. As strange as it seems, being happier than average does not mean that one can't also be unhappier than average. Okay? It's, uh, that's, that's more, seems more reality to me that, you know, more than one thing is always going on. Um, so so there's a test for it. And this guy took the test and he found out that he scored, uh, you know, he scored uh, quite high for happiness. He's at the top of, the, of that uh, uh, um, list for people his age, sex, occupation, and, and education group. And then he scored really high for unhappiness. So he figured, I'm a cheerful, melancholic. <laughs> I can relate to that. Um, um, anyhow, he goes on to say, uh, talk about the different things. Uh, the number one unhappiness provoking event. You know what the number one unhappiness provoking event in life is? I don't know. But having a knife thrust in your heart. And, no. Oh, Spending okay. time with your boss. <laughs> <laughs> Although I understand it. I do. Yeah. Which, uh, as a boss, made me unhappy to learn. <laughs> Right, because, yeah. Um, so uh, then fame, okay? So one huge thing, the road to unhappy. This is the road to unhappiness is, uh, you know, fame, 
Okay, that's one, uh, you know, the paradox of fame. Just like uh, drugs and alcohol, once you become addicted, you can't live without it. Okay, so that's, and then the next one, of course, is uh, money and material things. Okay, this is not, this is the road to hell. Okay, money and material things. And then, um, uh, people who rate materialistic goals like wealth as top personal priorities are significantly likelier to be more anxious, more depressed, more frequent drug users, and even to have more physical ailments than those who set their sights on more intrinsic values. Okay? So all of the uh, ancient uh, texts and spiritual traditions, this is, right, this is the first, you know, this is the first thing. Desire creates suffering. So you got fame, you got money, material stuff, uh, how about pleasures of the flesh? That might bring you down a little bit too, right? So he talks about, uh, uh, a, there's a great story um, in, in talking about whether more sexual variety led to greater well-being, right? Wouldn't you be happier if you had a, you know, just every week, different uh, lady? Wouldn't that be great, Dave? Uh, and here's a story. Um uh, from uh, you know this is from uh, a a prior president where the hell is this story here it is uh it's coolidge's the coolidge's touring a poultry farm the first lady noticed that there were very few roosters and asked how so many eggs would be could be fertilized the farmer told her that the virile roosters did their jobs over and over again every day. Perhaps you could point that out to Mr. Coolidge, she told him. <laughs> <laughs> the president, hearing the remark, asked whether the roosters serviced the same hen every time. No, the farmer told him. There were many hens for each rooster. Perhaps you could point that out to Mrs. Coolidge, said the president. <laughs> I thought, what a great repartee, right? Um, so, uh, anyhow, that is, it turns out that, the, by the way, more people are happy with just one person. You know, m you know mono is the way to go. Um, so, we talk, so, anyhow, they go on about uh, dissatisfaction. The craving of one given to heedless living grows like a creeper. This is from the Dhammapada. Like the monkey seeking fruits in the forest, he leaps from life to life. Whoever's overcome by this wretched and sticky craving, his sorrows grow like grass after the rains. So the search for fame, the lust for material things, and the objectification of others, the cycle of grasping and craving, follows a formula that is elegant simple and deadly love things and use people that may be so you know what we're talking this is what is when we talked about the ignorance we talked about how could you know there's so much going on in this world this is so absolutely awful 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 so much suffering and we talk about ignorance and i think this is one love people use things is 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 where we want to go, but we're loving things and using people, and that little switch, love people, to use things, 
Easier said than done. It requires the courage to repudiate pride and the strength to love others, friends, family, colleagues, acquaintances, God, and even strangers and enemies. Only deny love to things that are actually objects. The practice that achieves this is charity. Back to that article from the very beginning of this podcast, right? Uh, uh, giving away to others, which we hold dear. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all it's it's all makes sense, but it's the question has to be begged, you know. Just like you said in your own way about this book that I unfortunately brought up. <laughs> no, uh, it's not. It, it's it's yeah. okay to say be happy. How it's okay to say, you know, how do you not be that? How because what Singer is saying is you can't just say, I'll do it now and then I'll just enjoy myself with the material life of some kind for a few months and then I'll come back to this other thing. He says, no, because you may not, the breath you're taking in may never go out again. Mm. Yes. So, you know, what you were just talking about, you know, is true. I mean, you know, every great master has said, you know, watch out for gold and fame. And it seems rather ironic that 99% of people would love some gold and some fame. So, you know... That's nature. That's just, you know, nature. And that's, you know, for us to, to work with. Well, I think you have to get back to some kind of Taoist view, you know, the middle way and, and the Buddhist view too, you know, which is that you can have things, you can even want things, but you can't make that primary in your life. And then you've got to get used to the fact that those things will disappear. And the same goes for marriages, children, everything. Mm. It's all going away. And it's all, every second it's going away, you know, more. So I guess my only approach to that would be some kind of boring middle way answer, which would say, you know, I really, well, I mean, I don't own a car. But if I did, I probably would prefer having, a, 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 you know, a Mercedes than having a Chevrolet, right? And I might sort of move a lot of energy to make that happen. So why? Well, you say it was a better car. But all of these things are really kind of silly when you think about it, because you need a car to go from one place to the other. You need food to eat. Um, you know, it's just, we're so stuck on this stuff, all of us. And I've rarely met anybody who wasn't. I've met a few people, actually. I have met a few people who didn't live in that. Actually, you don't give a shit about having a Mercedes in, instead of a Chevrolet. Tell the truth. You you don't, you know, you're not, a, you never have been somebody who goes out and spends money on on wild shit when you had tons of money or you didn't have money. It no, didn't matter. I didn't. So, you know, I, that's just not true. I did. I'm, well, it's not true entirely, but it, there's, a, uh, there's a smattering of truth there because w when I did have money, yeah, I really did eat at the best restaurants in Manhattan and Los Angeles. And I did, you know, um, sit in the better part of the plane all of these days. God knows whether there's a better part of any plane. Um, you know, and made those choices because I had money instead of giving it to someone else who has no money. Uh, so I'd be a hypocrite to say that I didn't chase pleasure at different times of my life. It's a mood thing. Now, much less, because as you get closer to death, um, you realize that you're wasting time with a lot of attachments that you don't need to have. I mean, you know, I think there's a difference between being 16 and being 66. I mean, you know, that unless you're a very special 
um, awakened being. Mm. But, you know, when you haven't had sex, you want it. When you haven't had a marriage, you want one. When you haven't had children, you really want them. And so, you know, that seems to be a human trajectory, a normal human trajectory. But unfortunately, those things become embellished. And then it's having children and sending them to the right school and making sure that you're in the school district. That's the best one. And making sure that blah, 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 endlessly, endlessly. And suddenly your whole life is consumed by these, by these wants and needs. Fame is a different thing because fame is kind of distorted, isn't it? It's a new thing uh, where people well, are really famous. Yeah. Well, you know that you with electronic media, social media, all of that stuff, yeah. people can go on Facebook with a video and become famous in three seconds. So that's all there. I want to let's. I want to uh, bring this. First of all, uh, the, just the end of this article. By the way, uh, this article is by um, Arthur C. Brooks, who's a very well-known opinion uh, writer in the New York Times. Uh, it's a really, really well-considered article, and it ends kind of with, it. finally, it requires a deep skepticism of our own basic desires, of course, to, to get free. Of course you are driven to seek admiration, splendor, and physical license, but giving in to these impulses will bring unhappiness. You have a responsibility to yourself to stay in the battle. The day you declare a truce is the day you become unhappier. Declaring war on these destructive impulses is not about asceticism or puritanism. It's about being a prudent person who seeks to avoid unnecessary suffering. That is a very, very wise statement. And I think when we go back to in my, my whole thing with the book that you were quoting from, and well, how do we get happy? You know, he, he just be happy. I mean, well, you know, no, I mean, there's what, what, no road. It's just realization, isn't it? I mean, you just no. Realize. There is a road. There is a road. Well, maybe there's a road, but it comes. Yeah, okay, whatever. There is a road. There I mean, is a road. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I I take it because you know, just in personal experience. Okay, um, um, I've I've and and what he's talking about here in, in this particular article is charity. And what that article what we first uh, read from, that I first read from, from Yushu in China, with these people saving uh, the smallest life forms and what right, that right. really meant and how positive an effect that had on them in terms of their, uh, their, their uh, identity with who they really are. I mean, that's the best way, the true selves, whatever the, you know, you want, the Buddhists have the, the wonderful uh, uh, analogies for it. Um, but that act is a way to become happy. So there is, to me, an act that you can take. And I, you know, I... Um, I guess there's an act. I'm not sure there's a specific road. When I hear the word okay, seeker, act. seeker, for instance, I, I'm very skeptical about that word seeker. Because I think that what happens is you live your life and on the way, through some discipline that you, you have, you begin to realize things that at an earlier point or at an earlier incarnation, however, you, you didn't, and or you you just don't make that jump. No, there, it ends up that you, the you get rich, you get famous from the most gross level, and you know you're not happy, and life goes on. Okay, you fulfill all this bullshit, and you're you know pseudo lost, you know, thinking yeah. you're happy. And then later on, you know, you're really unhappy because none of it's fulfilling, so it's suffering. So you're having suffering, and that that suffering leads you to 
okay, why, who am I? What is this? Why am I suffering? What is suffering? In self-inquiry, okay? And then you find, you start to take a road, a path at that point. I mean, this guy's talking about it in the most simplistic uh, manner. Um, you know, it's a, he's calling it a battle. You have a, you have a responsibility to yourself to stay in the battle, you know, declaring war on these destructive impulses. I mean, that's... Well, that's, that's what the, the guy who wrote the book said. He said you can't do it, you know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Once you make the commitment to it, you have to do it. There's no truce. And he says exactly the same thing. Same thing. I, See, it's all the same. It's all it is, the but same. You know, it's all different one. Different people are different. I mean, depending on where you're at, I guess you yeah, can hear certain things, you can't it, hear yeah. other things. And you really heard this, so it's, it's great. You well, I mean, it. you know, I, I'm reluctant to say I really heard anything because I know myself and I know that sometimes pleasure is very, you know, seductive to me. And, and it, 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 I don't want to be a hypocrite on this particular podcast, you know, and I hope I'm moving towards some kind of thing where I understand pleasure isn't happiness. Uh, the harder thing is, is suffering happiness. Can, well, no, it isn't. But can you retain joy within intense suffering which a lot of people say you can or uh, equanimity can we call it you know equi- yeah just balance i don't joy within suffering i don't that's like you know that's almost like martyrdom kind of a thing i think yeah. balance well, until you have it happen to you you don't know whether you can do that or not so in the other in the abstract you know in the hypothetical you work towards i guess that's the road you work towards less self-cherishing and, and, and more kindness and more oneness. But when the shit hits the fan, that's when you you've, you actually find out. Yeah, how uh, far along you are right. at that point. And then right. you right. get stomped on and you bounce back up. That's why, you know, we love Sharon who talks about over and over and over. You just, you know, you get, it's like in a meditation, you get lost for 10 minutes thinking about shit. You just take another yeah. breath. And suddenly that's gone and you have a new moment to connect with, you know, uh, all, all great teachers talk about that. Just being able to be in the moment and, and that new moment allows you, it's like a, a, a birth, you know. So we have that as human beings and that is when, boy, we're really going on here. Dave. Well, I mean, it's a good this subject. So, it's, yeah, it's I'd rather good. go on about one thing than ramble into a million things. But I mean, you know, because people go, whoa, where are they going now? But. You know, it is a real thing, this. I mean, there's one gentleman who writes to us all the time in the Mind Rolling podcast um, comments thing on the website. And he makes great sense and he's very smart. And um, he's constantly talking about not, I'm sorry, guys, I love you and everything, but I don't get this thing about suffering. Suffering to me is sucks. And he said it a thousand times and he's not an idiot. He's a very smart and sensitive human being. I won't mention his name out of privacy matters. Uh, but he does ask this question, and I try and answer it, and you know, cobble together an answer every so often of him. Um, but I don't go all out, because I know that there are times uh, when it was very hard to be equanimous when something really, really, you know, bad seemed to be happening, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It can be anything. It can be a loss of a of, of a friend or a family who dies or gets very ill. Or it can be one time I was on a plane going from uh, 
New York to Washington and I was with a group of 10 people and we all agreed it was the worst plane ride we'd ever had. The turbulence was so horrendous that you, to retain equanimity was very difficult. The way we did it was by joking heavily and making dark, black, evil jokes all the time while it was happening, like that we're going to die basically. So let's talk about that. And we did. And we, and we got through it. It's how far it takes, you know, an hour or something to get to Washington. The thing was dropping 500 feet at a go. And then it was trying to get up and then it was dropping again. And I was sort of a little bit equanimous because of the people around me, because they were all trying to, you know, deal with the fact that this was very, very difficult. And it didn't go down. The plane didn't go down. I'm still alive, sort of. So, um, you know, I, did I retain my equanimity? Somewhat. You know, not mm. totally, though. A lot of me was going, oh, I'm going to die. This is horrible. It's going to, my flesh is going to burn off my body and my bones are going to be shattered into a thousand pieces. And the fact is, you're going to die sometimes. So why do you care? Yeah, well, that's not something we'd really like to contemplate for you, you know, flesh <laughs> being ripped off your bones. No. You but it happens. Die. I mean, you know, we, everybody dies in different ways and, there's billions of people, and it, 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 what I guess is important is to keep the death factor within your life so that you don't become, or you're not attached to things that are going to disappear with you. And, you know, like the, the, the classic one is, are you going to be freaked out if you think that after you die and your young wife is left there, uh, is she just within a year going to be, you know, with <laughs> with another guy sleeping with him? Now, three weeks. If the Tibetans say you for three weeks, they're gone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're worried about you're worried about all these people you're attached to, right? So if yeah. you leave, you're going to be forget about it. They won't think of you after three weeks. Once in a while, they may, you know, they this think is about you a little. Yeah, a little. A, a little. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Can but, I? Uh, yeah. Uh, but talk about. Uh, we have to go. Okay. Right. But I'm going to tell you something before we go. All right. It's an inside thing. And I think we should do this whole podcast again. Are you out of your mind? No, I really think we should do it. What time is it? I think we should just do it again. Get out of here. Um, well, you're a busy man. I can't. Yeah, I can't. Right. Um, so uh, Ram Dass is uh, friendly with somebody who's in uh, works with dying. Because you know, we're just talking about dying. We're all going to die, right? And right. what what they want to do, what he wants to do, this gentleman, is to get, um, he's actually started it. He wants to put dying stores into strip malls across the country so that it's a place you can go to for anything related to dying. How to take care of it, how to plan for it, how to grieve, how to, you know, what caskets, this, that, and the, you know. Uh, cremation, whatever it is, you go there and it's just like next door is Tasty Freeze, you know, Subway. You know, it's just part of our day to day. We're mm -hmm. not going to hide it in some funeral home. And, you know, so it's a good idea. So, um, but he wants, so what he wants Ramdas to do, he wants to create a <laughs> casket. You know, it's like they have the, I don't mm. know, could have the Rock Hus Hudson casket, you know, whatever, up in Beverly Hills. This would be the Ramdas casket, and it would be called "Be Dead Now." <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, he told me this yesterday. <laughs> I said, "I want that, but I want to be cremated." So, can we get a one of those urns? And that's great. Be dead now. No, I no, am casket. I think <laughs> yeah. not. Yeah. I think it should be a, a, a nice, a nice, pretty urn. Yeah. 
Absolutely. A little alter. On that wonderful, happy No, it's note. a good idea because we're all, I mean, everybody's just complete denial about the whole thing in the Western oh, world. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, no, it's it, a great really, idea. It's just, that's why, you know, recently when my, my friend passed away, you know, it was good that about six weeks before he passed away, I was leaving the hospital and he said, oh, come back for a minute. I said, okay, sure. And I walked back in the room. I heard him shout and I went back in the room. I said, what's up? He said, I'm terrified, David. I'm just terrified. I said, why? He said, because you know I'm going to die soon. I'm just terrified. I don't get it. And, you know, but in the next six weeks, he really developed tremendously well so that he wasn't terrified mm. because uh, mm. he worked on it because he realized he was terrified and there was no one going to help him. There he was. He was going to die. And he did nothing but kind of, you know, occasionally he'd watch some sports or something on TV. But, I mean, most of the time he was just listening to, uh, the you know the uh, Giotto chanting multitonal monks, and um, and getting into the flow of knowing that any second he was just going to mm. disappear into, and he did it. He actually mm. it actually worked for him. So maybe it would have been better if he'd have been able to go to a strip mall at some point when right. he was well and get all of this information the tibetan book of living and dying a, and you know whatever text that you need to uh, use to to do that with i think it's a good idea i don't know where he's going to get financing he already but, started there's one in maui oh there's one in he's, maui yeah there's a well maybe uh, okay it might not be up yet but uh, i thought there was one anyhow it's pretty interesting we'll keep you abreast of that information for future reference which the future is here be dead uh, for, now. Yeah, yeah be dead now. It's our new thing uh, that we're going to support for Mind Rolling Podcast. Go to mindrollingpodcast.com and yeah. uh, get us get yourself hooked up with Amazon so we can continue these deep conversations. By the way, you know, we talked about happiness and unhappiness was the central theme of this podcast and maybe the idea of service and, and doing something for someone else to allow you to get into that state is a good advice. Remember also, Sharon Salzberg wrote a book about happiness, and you can look that up on Amazon um, as well and go through our portal. Okay, Dave, did you read Or you that can book? buy the best of Pharrell Williams on Amazon. Happy. Be, what's that called? Be happy. Or be, read the books of Meher Baba. Yeah, and or never mind that. anything. Just get Mayor Baba's the first thing that turned me on uh, to to feeling like I had a chance to get out of unhappiness was seeing his face with this huge smile, and underneath was "Be happy." I swear that was the first thing that turned. Don't me worry, on. be happy. Don't worry, be happy. I'm sorry. Don't worry, be happy. Yes, right. and that uh, that did it for me. And this is going to do it for us, Dave. We're going to see you next week next time and uh, thank you everybody for supporting what we do please do continue it's important to us and keep writing us we love talking to everybody we'll see you next week yeah bye bye